Thank you for downloading or streaming this message from Emmanuel Church. We are one church with multiple locations, and we believe God wants to bless you right where you are. In a few moments, you're going to hear some practical teaching from God's Word that I believe will be inspiring and relevant to your life. First, though, if you haven't yet experienced Emmanuel Live, we encourage you to go to our website, eclife.org, to check out our service times and locations so that you can experience Emmanuel in person or through our online campus. If this message blesses you and you'd like to support the ministry financially, again, you can go to eclife.org and click on the Giving tab and choose Online Campus at your campus. Thanks again for joining us today, and we hope this message will be an encouragement to you on your spiritual journey. Well, good morning, Emmanuel Church. Sorry about that. Let's try that again. Good morning, all of our campuses. How are you doing today? Hey, if this is your first time here, I usually remember to put my microphone on. So uh, well, we're, we, we want to welcome if you. If you're joining us at our Bandit Campus, Franklin Campus, Garfield Park Campus, our Seymour Campus that's celebrating their one-year anniversary today, can we give her up for them? If you're joining us here for the first time at Greenwood or watching online or one of our microsites, we wanna give you a very special welcome and we're glad you're here. We take it serious that you accepted someone's invitation to be here. And if you're not brand new, man, it's so good to see you. Welcome back. Uh, we're starting a brand new series today called Good Bones. But before we get into that series, I just want to uh, just kind of update you guys on some things that have been going on. Last, in 2022, you know that we did this year-end push because our church is a multi-site church, which means we're one church with multiple locations, and we're trying to reach as many people as possible with the gospel. And so we're, we bought a building down in Seymour for our Seymour campus there, and we need to renovate that building, and we actually have some renderings uh, that we put together. This is what the campus is going to look like in the future. Is that not exciting for our Seymour campus? So exciting. <clears throat> Uh, and, and so that project is uh, kind of in the works. And so we did a year-end challenge to say, hey, if you could give some extra money above and beyond what you normally give for the end of the year, that will help us get this project moving forward. And so our goal was half a million dollars, $500,000. And uh, many of you jumped on board and started to participate. And I did not give you guys an update on where, where we landed. And I wanna do that for you right now. Here is the total of what we raised. Is that not exciting? So exciting. So I personally, our staff personally, we want to thank every single one of you for jumping on board, whether you gave $5, $50, $100, $1,000, $10,000, whatever it is that you gave. We had some folks give hundreds of thousands of dollars to this. And so I just, we want to just say thank you so much. One more time. Can we just give God glory for that? Amen. We've got microsites in, in uh, Mooresville right now and Martinsville. Who knows what God is gonna do in Shelbyville or Avon. We're just opening up our hearts and minds to say, God, wherever you wanna take the message of the gospel, uh, we will go there, whether that is here in the Midwest or even out of state, uh, we'll, we're willing to do that. We have a microsite in Sarasota, Florida. We may end up doing our, our broadcast campus in Sarasota uh, in, in the future. Uh, so praying about that. Um, so you just never know what the Lord, where the Lord leads. Uh, but we're so excited that we have a chance to, to bring the gospel to many, many people. And so uh, just so, so excited about that. Anyway, so we're starting a brand new series today 
called Good Bones, and we kind of grabbed this title from the show Good Bones. How many of you watch Good Bones? You know, the ladies here in Indianapolis, they, they kind of renovate houses. It's kind of fun. Um, but even before that show became a hit, the phrase Good Bones was a phrase people use, and usually they use it when they're trying to describe a, a house that they're thinking about buying, uh, maybe investing in, maybe flipping, uh, maybe just uh, renovating and living in that house. And what they mean when that, when someone says, hey, that house has good bones, they're essentially saying that, hey, that house has a good roof, it's got a good foundation, it's got nice walls, the electricity is fine, the plumbing is fine, it just needs some cosmetic work and some carpet and whatever, but, but the house essentially has good bones. And we got to thinking about that as a staff, it's like, you know what, that's true. if that's true for a house, before you invest in it, before you buy it, renovate it, whatever, it's also true for relationships. In fact, relationships, your relationships, my relationships, they need to have Good bones. They don't have to be perfect. They don't have to look great and be the best. They just have to have some important essentials in order to build upon them and make them into something to build your life upon. And so we got to thinking about, well, what are those, what are the good bones of relationships? That's where kind of this, this series came from. The reason I'm so passionate about relationships, and I mentioned this last week, if you were here, if you tuned in, is that the quality of your life really is the result of your closest relationships. Like if you're happy right now, if you're excited right now, if you have meaning in your life, if if you're enjoying your life, most likely you're not living in isolation. Most likely you've got some great people around you. You've got a great spouse, great coworkers, great friends, and you have some really good relationships around you. And so you're experiencing a high quality of life. The opposite is also true. If you're down, if you're discouraged, if you hate life, you know, look around. You probably have some broken, toxic relationships around you that you just want to get away from. The quality of our life really is the result of the quality of our closest relationships. And so it's important that we get this right. In fact, this has been scientifically proven. If science is the, you know, kind of the art of of experimenting and testing things and measuring results, science has shown that relationships really do determine the quality of our life. In fact, a bunch of researchers at Harvard University back in 1938 got together and they said, you know what, let's test and see What makes a good life? Like how do human beings achieve a good life or achieve happiness? So they decided to study 724 men in their their young age and and to follow them throughout their life. And they started off studying a bunch of of students at Harvard, but they realized, you know what, this group is kind of unique. They come from a very specific socioeconomic background. Let's broaden the research. And so they went into inner city Chicago and they found a bunch of young guys that, that did not have that background. And the total number ended up being 725 guys. They followed these guys starting in 1938. So fast forward to today, the study is still going on. Only 60 of the 725 dudes are still alive. I mean, this is the longest study on a group of human beings in the history of the world. Books have been published about this study, and and essentially what they came down to, came down to like seven specific findings of what makes up a good life. And a lot of it is what we've been talking about the last couple of weeks in in the counting series, you know, taking care of your body, not smoking cigarettes and keeping a good body weight. Very, very interesting results. But the, the, the number one factor to a happy life, a successful life, you, you guessed it. It was relationships. In fact, the current lead researcher of the project, his name is Robert Wallinger. Listen to what he said. The clearest message that we get from this study is this. 
Good, relationship keeps us, good relationships keep us happier and healthier, period. He says the people who were most satisfied in their relationships at 50 were the healthiest at age 80. Look, science now shows us that we need healthy relationships in order to be happy. The study also revealed that it affects levels of uh, good relationships, affect levels of depression, anxiety, decreases those things, low feelings of loneliness, but it also affects, good relationships also affect our physical health. Like good relationships help to, to ward off heart disease and diabetes and, and many other physical ailments that people face. Like the science is in, like we need healthy relationships. So if that's true, which I believe all of us believe that, the Bible teaches that, science now shows us that, like what are the essentials of good, healthy relationships? That's what I want to talk about in this series. Now, this is not a marriage series, although many of you are married and many of you plan on being married. And you're going to hear some things in this series that are going to make you maybe think about your marriage in some ways that, you know, uh, you know, this thing needs work, okay? I'm not gonna suggest that you bail on your marriage based on things that you hear. Like we're, we don't advocate divorce here, okay? So what you, what you, when you hear stuff, some building blocks, you wanna, you wanna hear it through the lens of, hey, we need to make our marriage better. Now, if you're, in, if, if you're looking through the lens of friendships or roommates or teammates or anything, anything else like that, you may hear some things in this series where you're you know, like, wow, I didn't realize that those were the, you know, the building blocks of good relationships and this relationship lacks that, this relationship lacks that aspect. And so you may need to cancel some of your friends, okay? Not in the sense that, social media sense, but in the like, you're no longer my friend. <laughs> like firing some of those friends, okay? Now that may be the healthiest thing for you as you go through this series. So others of you may just need to help repair some uh, uh, or build or rebuild or improve the relationships that you're currently in, okay? So really think through the lens as I talk through some of these ideas of the current relationships you're in and how they, how they need to change, okay? Now, good bones relationships. What are the essentials? I wanna start with a topic today that I believe is the foundation because that's where we need to begin, up here, we have this prop. Our team did a great job. There's some concrete, some cinder blocks, okay? There's some mix. When you go up to a house and you're trying to decide whether or not to invest in it, buy it, renovate it, whatever, the first thing you do, and this is what people do, they look at the foundation. They see the, you know, see the house, but it's like, okay, if the foundation is solid, we can, we can, we can have a conversation. If the, if the foundation is cracked, if it's crumbling, if it's damaged, that is a big problem. So I want to talk to you today what, what I think is the foundational issue when it comes to relationships, a good bones relationship, and that is the idea of commitment. Good bones relationships have this thing called commitment. What is commitment? Commitment is unwavering allegiance, unwavering allegiance. It's a person who says, I'm with you no matter what. I'm with you through the highs and I'm with you through the lows. I'm with you when things are great. I'm with you when things are bad. I'm with you when we're winning and I'm with you when we're losing. I'm with you when you win and I'm with you when you lose. I'm with you when you live in victory and I'm with you when you suffer defeat. Many of us have been 
in an experience before where we've had people in our life that call themselves our friends. Maybe you've done this. Maybe you've called yourself a friend to somebody else. But when push came to shove, they bailed on you and you bailed on them. There was this factor of unreliability. And that's painful. When you needed that person the most, they weren't there for you. When they needed you the most, you weren't there for them. Man, that's tough. One of the most depressing things in life. I thought I could count on you and you weren't there. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 24 says this. One who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin. In other words, when you go through this life with people who call themselves your friend, but yet when the going gets rough, they're not there for you, the consequences are ruin. You're gonna trip up, you're gonna fall, because they're not gonna be there for you when you need them most. But there is a friend, and this is the good news, there is a friend. <laughs> lots of people can call you their friends, you can have lots of acquaintances, I have lots of acquaintances, I know a lot of different people. But there's only a few people that will stick with you through thick and thin. But there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Have you ever talked about somebody like this before where they're like, yeah, this is so-and-so, she's like a sister to me. This is, this is so-and-so, he's, he's, he's a brother to me. He's like a brother to me. What, what, what do we mean when we say that type of thing? We're trying to communicate to someone else that this is a friend, but you have to understand it's, it's, it's way past friendship. It's almost blood. This guy would die, he would take a bullet for me. You ever, you ever hear that? You ever say that about somebody? They're not even related to you, but you say it. Because the, what, you're what you're trying to communicate when you say he's like a brother to me, she's like a sister to me, is that they're, they're totally in. Like they've burned the boats. They're on my side no matter what. You know somebody like this? Do you have somebody like this in your life? I hope you do. Because you need them. You know, I do some weddings. I don't do them anymore. I hate them. <laughs> I hate them for a couple of reasons because you got to wear a suit. So it's like, oh my gosh. And it's always hot, right? Everybody's always hot and sweaty. So that's gross. And then you got to stand up here and you got to say every word just right. And you're, you know, you're just like, one time I was doing a wedding and I, I was like, I, I, looked at the, the, I looked at the group and the bride and I said, I said uh, who gives this, uh, who gives this uh, man to be married to this woman or something like that? I got it backwards. I, don't, I remember how that, that, that one line, it was like, oh, I'm so sorry. Because there's so much stress. Hate weddings. Anyway, you're standing up here and whoever's doing the wedding, probably Pastor Cody, probably Pastor Aaron, probably one of the campus pastors, right? They say these words, like at some point in the wedding, it's like, hey, so now we're gonna do the vows. Everybody ready to do the vows? Yeah, let's do the vows. And then the pastor says, okay, you know, I take, you take so-and-so to be your wedded wife, you know, to have and to hold. And then they say something like this, you know, uh, for richer or for? In sickness and in? Right? In good times and in? You all know, yeah, you know this. It's like, how dare, how dare these pastors get up here and talk to these two people who don't know each other at all? <laughs> they don't. They're stupid. In a good way, because they're in love, right? 
but they're up here and they're saying, they're saying, tell death, you know, it's richer for poor. And like, you don't even know what you're talking about. But the pastor does it anyway, you know. He's like getting them to go all in, burn the boats, you know. And then the pastor says this, till death do us part. Really? <laughs> and you know, these two knuckleheads are up here and they're like, yes, till death do us part. Yes, we're all in. I'm having fun here. It's all serious. But why, 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 why do pastors do that? Why is that in the vows? Before they even know each other before they've even lived their life together. Why are they talking this commitment stuff, this allegiance stuff? Up, down, win, lose, all in, till death do us part. Because the pastor knows, and you know, that if the relationship is gonna be solid, if there's gonna be a solid foundation, there needs to be a commitment. Because it's gonna go bad. And it's gonna go bad fast. It might even go bad on the honeymoon. And you're gonna to wanna to jump ship. Some of you know who Michael J. Fox is. Um, I grew up on Michael and uh, Michael Jordan, Michael J. Fox. And Family Ties was my, was my, you know, a lot of the, in the Cosby show and the family, remember that? Oh, it's just good television, good television back in the day. Anybody remember that? Good quality stuff. And Married with Children came out and everything just fell apart. <laughs> Anyway, Family Ties, Michael J. Fox, Back to the Future, remember Back to the Future? What a great series of movies. That's quality, quality Hollywood theater right there. Biff, or Biff. Anyway, Michael J. Fox meets this really beautiful lady, Tracy Pollan, on the set of Family Ties. Here's, here's what they look like when they were like, just little, little, little tykes. And they start dating on the set and all that stuff. A couple of years later, they get married. And a couple of years later, Michael, Fox, Michael J. Fox gets Parkinson's disease at 29. And he's recently written a book. I haven't read it, but I'd like to. And uh, he, he, but he did some interviews talking about this moment in time where he had to go to Tracy and say, I have Parkinson's. And he describes it like this. He said, I had to tell her, so I told her. And he said that Tracy didn't even blink. She was unswerving. She, was, she stayed the course. No reaction. Total commitment. 30 years later, he's been battling Parkinson's. Here's a, here's a recent picture of them. He's not doing so well. He's struggling, he can't hardly, he, he can't sit still. His whole body shakes and moves constantly 24 seven. She's never left his side over 30 years. Here's what, here's what he said about his wife. She puts up with me. She doesn't cut me any slack. She's honest, affectionate, kind, smart, and she's there to pinch. I love this part. She's beautiful and I love her. She's a great mother, a great cook, and a great bodyboard junkie beach babe. <laughs> Commitment, commitment in sickness and in health till death do us part. I could end the sermon right there and, and, and we could all go home and say, oh, I need to be committed. It's the foundation, right? But I wanna push in a little harder. 
What does that actually look like to be committed? I want to talk about three ideas so you can really kind of filter through your relationships and ask yourself, okay, are my relationships committed? Am I committed to my friends? Number one, if you're taking notes, digital notes, grab that or grab your notebooks. What does commitment look like? Commitment looks like loyalty. There's not a lot of loyalty today. But when you open up the Bible and you look at what, what it says about friendship, here's what it says. Proverbs 17, a friend is always, say it with me, loyal. Another version says, a friend loves at all times, not just good times, but all times, good times and bad times. They're loyal. And then it says this, a brother is born to help in time of need. Another version says, a brother is born for adversity. A sister is born for adversity. In other words, what that means is that the reason, one of the reasons you have family members is so that when everything hits the fan, you have someone to depend on. And Solomon puts family members and friends, certain friends, not all your friends, but certain friends who stick closer than a brother, he puts them together and says they're the same. A friend, a true friend is loyal. They're there for you in a time of need. That's what it looks like. It looks like, it looks like loyalty. It made me think of a, a situation in the Bible about uh, a guy named Jonathan and David. And I've talked about this story before, but it's so good, I wanna talk about it again. It's a great example of friendship. The situation is that Jonathan's father was the first king of Israel, and he's kind of a bad king, okay? does some bad stuff and God wants to replace him with a guy named David. And uh, so God raises up David and David kills Goliath and that's a big deal. And so initially the relationship between Saul and David is good, but it goes south because David starts to get more of the praise than Saul does. So Saul gets jealous and wants to kill David. Well, in the process of all that, long story short, Jonathan and David become best friends. It even says in the Bible that their hearts were knit together. And they made a covenant of friendship. Jonathan was Saul's son. One day, Saul, in a rage, tells his team and his son to do something. Let's look at it together. First Samuel. Saul now urged his servants and his son, Jonathan, to assassinate David, take him out, to kill him. But Jonathan, because of his strong affection for David, his strong loyalty, his love for David, he told him what his father was going to do, and this is what he told him. Tomorrow morning, he warned him, you got to get out of here. You got to find a place to hide in the fields or else you're going to die. Now, you might not think that's a big deal, but here's the, here's the situation. Jonathan is the king's son. When the king gives a command and you disobey the command, that's treason. He chooses his relationship with David over his relationship with his father, Saul. Wow, that's risky. That's loyalty. Some of you recently watched the Bengals game last week, two weeks ago. And uh, any Bengals fans out there? We had some in the nine o'clock. Anyone, any Bengals fans? Any IU fans out there? Wow, what a, what, yeah. Woo! Sorry about the Purdue fans, Sorry. What a day for Hoosier basketball. We could just preach a whole sermon on that. Anyway, back to the Bengals, right? Stay focused. Let's go. <laughs> Bengals game a couple weeks ago. Um, 20, 20, 17 seconds left. You know, the Kansas City's coming down. And, you know, number 58 just pushes the quarterback out of bounds. Late hit, 15 yards. Puts them within field goal range. They kick the field goal. And the Bengals lose. Joseph Asai, 22-year-old guy, young guy, beast, played a great game, super fast, super strong. 
He costs his team a trip to the Super Bowl. He's on the sidelines crying. Grown man, crying on the bench. Teammates are mad. No, you, you should have known. Nobody touches the quarterback, especially at that time. But then there was one guy who goes over and sits next to Joseph on the bench. So look at that photo. You want to know what loyalty is? It's when your buddy, your teammate, your friend, they blow it, and you have enough courage to go sit right next to them. In the failure, put your arm around them. After the game, some of you saw the interview, and the, the, the uh, uh, interviews were just peppering Joseph with questions and what were you thinking and one of his teammates stood right next to him the whole time and even told the reporters not to ask certain questions and then one did and he said nope wrong question ask another one would not leave his side that's loyalty what does commitment look like it looks like I'm with you I'm with you even when things go bad Two, what else does it look like? Number two, commitment looks like sacrifice. Sacrifice. In a relationship, a long-term friendship, long-term marriage, it's not, it's never gonna be win-win all the time. I love win-win, I really do. Uh, I work for win-win in all my relationships. Hey, you win, I win. You win, I win. It's great, everybody wins. I love that. I think you should push for win-win in all your relationships. Sometimes it's not gonna work out. Sometimes you're gonna win and I'm gonna lose. Sometimes I'm gonna win and you're gonna lose. And that's just the way it goes. And unless you're, winning to, unless you're willing to lose at certain times, the relationship's gonna get lopsided and it's not going to last. Does that make sense? You have to be willing to sacrifice. Let's go back to the story of Jonathan and, and David. What I didn't mention earlier was that Jonathan was in line to be the next king. Like, that's how it worked back in those days. Like, your dad's the king, you're the king's son. When the dad dies, you become the next king. Jonathan knew that, everybody knew that. One day, Saul was out chasing David and couldn't find him, and Jonathan decides he's gonna run out and try to encourage David, and so he does. Listen to what he says. First Samuel chapter 23. Don't be afraid, Jonathan said. My father will never find you. You're gonna be the next king of Israel, and I'll be right next to you. And my father is well aware of this. Jonathan is saying to David, look, I know I'm next in line to be the king, but I'm going to sacrifice my rights so that you can be king. I know that this was God's plan and he's anointed you through the prophet Samuel and I'm good with it. I'm not jealous of it. I'm not gonna try to take advantage. I'm gonna sacrifice so that you can be king. Well, Saul finds out about this, and uh, as you can imagine, he's pretty ticked. This is treason, right? In fact, the Bible actually tells us in 1 Samuel chapter 20 what exactly how Saul felt. Saul boiled with rage at Jonathan. You stupid son of a bleep. He swore at him. He was ticked. Don't you, think you, don't you think I know that you want him to be king in your place, shaming yourself and your mother? Now, the only thing sons want to hear from their dads is, you know, 
I'm so proud of you, and you're the man, and you're awesome, and you have what it takes, and you're brave, and you're courageous. That's what boys want to hear from their dads. That's what young men want to hear from their dads. What they don't want to hear from their dads is this. You are an embarrassment to the family. You've embarrassed yourself. You've embarrassed your mother. Because you want this, this, this guy to be king in your place. You're supposed to be king. Think about what it costs Jonathan to side with David. It not only costs him the throne, it costs him his relationship with his father. Wow. That's true friendship. Sometimes friendship is not a win-win. Sometimes it's a you win and I lose situation. I remember when I was 21 years old, Jackie and I were newly married um, and I got a call from Emmanuel Baptist Church. That's what we were called many, many years ago. And they wanted to interview me for the high school youth pastor position. And so we came up here and we interviewed. Long story short, they offered me the job. Well, Jackie was also a student at Liberty University. She was studying education. She wanted to be a teacher. And she was three years into her studies, two and a half years into her studies. And Emmanuel Church, Emmanuel Baptist Church, offered me the position. I said to her, hey, if, we, if I take this position, we gotta leave, we gotta leave uh, Virginia and we gotta come live here and you're not gonna be able to finish your degree and you're not gonna be able to come become a teacher because we're, I'm gonna start my career and then we're gonna start having babies, you know how that goes. <laughs> she said, I know, but I'm willing to sacrifice my dream so you can fulfill your dream so that we can fulfill your dream together. And so sure enough, we left Virginia and came to Indiana, got the job, started a family, had three babies super quick. My wife's a stay-at-home mom for a long, long time, raising those kids, paying the price, hard work, hardest job in the world, stay-at-home mom. Well, a couple years later, our kids are like, you know, I don't know, six, seven, probably seven, eight, nine, or eight, nine, ten, some, some version of that. Um, and my wife says to me, I, w- I would like to go back to school and finish my degree. I wanna be a teacher. I was like, oh, really? I thought that was over, you know? I thought you sacrificed that dream. No, I really would like to try, and I'm a year and a half left, and I really would like to be, you know, see, I would like to see what it feels like to be an educator, and it's what I've always wanted to do, and so I said, okay. You know, so we, we roll her back into school, and it costs thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars, which is fine. It's fine. She sacrificed for me, right? So now we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna flip this around. And so she goes and she finishes her degree and she gets a job in, 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 Whiteland, in the Whiteland school system teaching fourth grade. And as that job kind of played itself out, we realized that, she, like, first of all, teachers, you guys rock, okay? Can we just, can we just you guys are awesome. Because I got, a, I, got a, I got a picture of how many hours you guys work. It's like five something in the morning all the way to seven o'clock at night, eight, sometimes nine o'clock at night because of all the papers you got to grade and all the stuff that you do, it never ends. I got a really good picture of that. But my wife was leaving the house at 6 a.m. in the morning. Now we still had three kids that were going to school. So guess whose job it was to get the kids out of bed and to get the kids dressed and to get food in their faces and then to get them on the bus. Guess whose job that led? Guess who did? that came to me. That's right. That's right. It came to me. <laughs> so 
I'm like, all right, she sacrificed for me. I'm gonna, I'm gonna do that. I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna do this. So, so I had the routine, and so I had it down pat. You know, it was like, as soon as that six, six whatever it was, five o'clock, five fifth, whatever the time it was, lights were on, kids out of bed. You know, get out of bed. And we're gonna get dressed and get downstairs by this time. I'm gonna put these Cheerios in your face. We're gonna, we're gonna get your teeth brushed and we're gonna get your book bags ready. We're gonna get you on the bus at the bus stop and boom, 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 boom. And I did it. I mean, it was, it was, I was like a drill sergeant. It was actually kind of fun. <laughs> One of the funnest parts is when I would have them sitting down eating their Cheerios, whatever it is they were eating, I'd put uh, an iPad up and I'd put, I'd put uh, you know, Les Brown and Tony Robbins up in front of them, you know, at six o'clock in the morning, you know, it's like, you ever listen to those guys, motivational speakers, you know? you can do this, you know, dream big and you can do it and take the world and life's gonna be great, you know, and all that stuff. And so, you know, they're, they're just watching this, eating their Cheerios, like, <laughs> we're gonna get something out of this, you know what I mean? We did that, I did that, we did that for two years until my wife finally realized that teaching is absolutely bonkers. <laughs> can you imagine if I'd have said, when she told me, I think I'd like to be a teacher, if I'd have said, no, you're a pastor's wife. You just need to be by my side. Can you imagine if, I, if, if she was the only one that sacrificed and I didn't sacrifice? I'm telling you, in a relationship, in a healthy relationship, sacrifice needs to go both ways. Shoot for win-win. But you have, there's times where it's gonna be, okay, this is gonna be tough on me. Great for you, tough on me. It has to be that way. And it was with that, it was like that with, with Saul with Jonathan and David. Okay, let me give you this last one. So we talked about loyalty, talked about sacrifice, let's talk about truth. Good bones relationships require that you speak the truth and receive the truth. Commitment looks that way. That's what commitment, see, the reason why truth is so important is because you need it to survive, you need it to live. If you don't tell the truth, if you don't live in truth, you're gonna be living in deception and lies. And so committed friends, here's what they do. They just, they just tell each other the truth and they do it in love and they do it with gentleness, but they do it. Listen to what the Bible tells us. Proverbs chapter 27, verse six. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. This is not talking about punches or stabs with a knife. This is talking about the words that come out of a friend's mouth. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Sometimes your friends have to wound you, but it's okay. Why? Because those words are being spoken for your benefit because your friend, your spouse is so committed to your well-being that they must tell you the truth. And so they do. And it hurts at first, but then as the truth works itself out in your life, it sets you free and it leads you to the life God has planned for you. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse are the kisses of the enemy. If you've got a bunch of people around you just telling you nice things all the time, you're in trouble. I'm serious. They're lying to you because you're not that good. There's lots of things wrong with you. Lots of things. There's lots of things wrong with me. And we need to be open to receiving those things. And if we're constantly shutting people down they were trying to tell us the truth, they're gonna stop telling us. And then you're gonna live in a de delusional world that's not, that's not real. And so you have to be willing to speak the truth and to receive the truth. This is so critical for a committed relationship. I'm telling you, your friends will do this because they, they want what's best for you and they're willing to risk hurting your feelings. And so they'll say things like this. They'll say, hey, why are you texting her? 
You're married. She's got a husband. Why are you on the, that girl's Instagram page looking at her photos? Listen, if you're a dude and you're married and you're looking at a girl's Instagram page, I'll just tell you the truth right now. You're a moron. <laughs> if you don't have a friend to tell you that, you're crazy. You're gonna ruin your life. If you're a female and you're married and you're looking at some dude's Instagram page that's married, we're not married, messing around, messaging them, texting them, liking their stuff. Are you crazy? You're gambling with your life. See, this is what friends do to each other. They, 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 why would I say that? Why would I, why would I use a word like moron? Because here, here's, here's why, here's why. Because I really do love you. And I'm trying to save your life. I'm not trying to hurt your feelings. I'm just saying, hey, trust, trust me on this. I, I care about you. So I'm gonna tell you, I'm gonna tell you the truth about what, what's going on. If you keep raising your children that way, letting them get away with stuff, threatening them and not following through on your threats, those little five-year-old kids are gonna turn into 17-year-old monsters. They're gonna eat you alive. So when you make a threat to your five-year-old, you follow through on that or else you're in big trouble. Do you have a friend who's willing to tell you that? I will, if you don't, I will, because it's the truth. You say, oh, I don't want to offend them. I don't want to speak into their parenting style. You have to offend them. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. That's what friends do. They come up and they start talking about what's really going on in, the, in your life, and you keep spending that way, you're gonna be in trouble. You keep talking to your husband that way, he's gonna be out of here. You keep disrespecting your wife like that, she's not gonna hang around very long. This is what friends do, right? Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Commitment looks like speaking the truth. Commitment looks like sacrifice. Commitment looks like loyalty. The foundation of relationships, good relationships, is commitment. So my question to you is, you, as you think through loyalty, as you think through sacrifices, as you think through speaking the truth, Here's my question. What's the commitment level of your relationships? How committed are people to you? Have you sacrificed for a friend recently? If you haven't, I, how committed are you? Right? When was the last time you sat down with a friend or your spouse and said, hey, I, we have to talk about something difficult. It, 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 it's gonna be painful, but I have to say it because I love you. When's the last time that happened? That ought to happen frequently. In fact, that ought to happen this afternoon. Pastor said we need to get in a fight. <laughs> Sit down. We gotta talk this through. Yeah, blame me, blame me for it. I think some of you, some of you, you're so afraid, and, 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 and I'm gonna preach a whole sermon on this in two weeks, so I don't, I'm, I'm not gonna get into it too much because we're out of time. But some of you are so afraid to talk about what's really going on, you just keep your mouth shut. And so little problems just continue to build and build and become bigger ones and bigger ones until it's just explodes. Because you're so afraid of hurting the person's feelings by talking about the truth. So unhealthy. 
You're gonna sit down and because you love that person, you're committed to their well-being, you will tell the truth and you'll speak the truth in love with gentleness. Not because you're offended, not because you didn't get your way, but because it's the truth. You with me? How committed are you in your relationships? How committed are the people to you? How committed are you to them based on those three ideas? You gotta, gotta answer that question this week. As we wrap up today, you know, I mentioned a few moments ago that commitment looks like sacrifice. Like that's the, real, that's the foundation of, of, of relationships is this idea of commitment. Did you know the foundation of our relationship with God is sacrifice? It's commitment demonstrated through sacrifice, like God committed to you by sacrificing his son on your behalf. Listen to how the Bible explains it. Jesus, or he himself, is the, what say it with me, the, the sacrifice that atones for our sins, that removes our sins, that reconciles us to God. Jesus is the sacrifice that wipes away the, the boundary between us and God. He dies on the cross to remove the penalty of sin. How did he do that? He sacrificed himself. And not only for our sins, but for the sins of the whole world. Some people sometimes ask me, Pastor Danny, how many campuses do you want to launch? You know, isn't your church big enough? You know, I mean, my, my gosh. You know, it's like, well, I don't know how many people are in the world. Maybe we can launch a million campuses. What do you think? Seven and a half seven and a half billion people in the world, like why would we stop? Here's why, here's why we wouldn't stop. Because he didn't die just for people in the Midwest, Indiana. He died for the sins of what? Of, of, the, of the whole, say it with me, the whole world. So if God allows us to keep launching campuses to reach people with the gospel, we're gonna do that. But let's get back to sacrifice. Jesus died as a sacrifice for your sins. You should have paid. Think about this. This blew my mind when I was like a teenager, when I finally got this. It's like, wait a second, so, so I'm the sinner and I should have paid for my sin by spending eternity apart from God. But because he loved me, he died in my place as my sacrifice. Oh my, why did he do that? Oh, he loves me? He wants to be in a relationship with me? <sighs> blew me away. I said, if he loves me that much that he would give his life for me, a dirty, dirty rotten sinner, then, then I'm all in. Like, that's a love that I can't say no to. I didn't say, when I was 17, I didn't say yes to religion or, or church. I said yes to a God who sacrificed himself for me because he loved me. How about you? Maybe you, maybe you say, I've never heard it that way. Well, you have today. You need to respond. You say, what do I need to do? So you need to place your faith in Christ, the one who sacrificed himself for you. Ask him to forgive your sins. He atoned for your sin by sacrificing his life. He said, there's no greater love than for a person to lay down his life for his friends. And then he did it for you. So I'm gonna say a simple prayer. It's a prayer a child can pray. Take these words, make them your own. Reach out with what little faith you have, however small you think it is and ask Christ to be your savior today. Will you pray with me, whatever campus you're at, wherever you're watching. Just say this to him, dear Jesus, I believe you are the sacrifice for my sin. Believe you died in my place. Paid the penalty I should have paid to forgive me of my sin.
to wash me clean, to make me your child. I trust you today. I ask you to be my savior, my Lord. I place my faith in you and I surrender my life to you. Won't you lead me and guide me? Show me how to live. Show me a better way to go through this life as your follower. I pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. Can we give God glory, church, amen? If you just prayed that prayer, here's the deal. You need to learn how to live a, in a brand new way, in a relationship with God. And the Bible is the key to that. So we put a little Bible inside this box. We call it our save box. If you just prayed that prayer, whatever campus you're at, if you're watching online, text the word SAVE to 65248. You can grab one of these at the information desk at your campus. If you're watching online, give us a little bit more info and we will send one to you in the mail. One more time, church, can we give God glory, amen? Hey, won't you pray with me and then I'm gonna dismiss to the local teams. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the opportunity to talk about things that matter. The quality of our life truly is the result of the quality of our closest relationships. So help us to build upon those, improve those, to commit to each other, whether that's inside of a marriage or a friendship or a teammate or roommate or whatever it is. Help us to sacrifice for one another. God, help us to be loyal to one another and help us to speak the truth in love. We pray this in Christ's name, amen. Right now, I'm gonna hand things off to the local teams. I love you guys. We'll see you next week.